If you think the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ends with their divine deliverance from the fiery furnace, think again. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah examines the rest of this Old Testament saga and reveals the surprising and miraculous events that took place following the furnace. Here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, Courage When Foes Demoralize You. Well, one of the things we learn from this story is when we go through the fire, uh, God is with us. It's so visually presented here. Um, There were four in the furnace, and there should only have been three. But there were four in the furnace because God was with these men. And that's just a visual to tell us that God is with us no matter what happens. Wherever we go, whatever we experience, we have the presence of God. He promised never to leave us nor forsake us no matter what happens. And now we can unfold the rest of this story and see what happened to them as a result of God's miraculous deliverance. This is Turning Point. We're talking about courage to conquer. This passage uh, presents one of the most courageous moments that we read about in the Bible. And surely we can derive strength and courage from this as we read it and internalize it ourselves. By the way, there's a study guide that will help you to do that. Um, The Courage to Conquer study guide is newly organized and developed and designed. You can get this study guide from davidjeremiah.org. There you will find it uh, on the web page. You can learn how to get this and order it right into your own home, along with the uh, the CD packages that give you all the audio teaching uh, that you're listening to on the radio right now and some that I don't have time for. But that's a great tool for you to use if you do small groups because our study guides uh, come with a group questions and a leader's guide, and they help you get discussion on the Word of God. We're not interested so much in how people feel. Uh, That's important, I know, in some situations. We're interested in what God says and how that applies to your life. If you're interested in that, you'll find our study guides very helpful in the kind of Bible study you want to conduct in your home or in your church. When you go to davidjeremiah.org, you can order it there. Um, It will tell you how to get it, how to get it to your home, and you can begin using it to encourage others. Well, let's get started with part two of Courage When Foes Demoralize You from Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. This is Turning Point. This is Courage to Conquer, the series. And I'm David Jeremiah. Now, literally, the text says here that the king's visage was changed. His facial expression was changed. His pride was wounded. His will had been crossed. His supreme authority had been disregarded by these three young men, and Nebuchadnezzar would not have it. He's going to take his wrath out on them. He is furious. You can sense the anger as you read the text. And so on the basis of his anger, King Nebuchadnezzar takes the following action, verses 20 to 23. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And then we come to verses 24 and 25 in the king's astonishment. Now watch this. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, 
Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Whoa, whoa. And notice what happens next in verses 26 through 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps and the administrators and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not even on them. Now listen to this. And so the end of the story is that King Nebuchadnezzar stands up, and he makes a decree, and we're going to see this in a moment, and he says from now on everybody's got to worship God. He goes from not even believing in the real God But an experience like that would have a tendency to have an effect upon you, don't you know? Now, what I want to do is go back kind of through the story and ask the question, and we've talked about the record of this event. I want to talk about the reasons why these guys had the kind of courage that it took for them to experience what they experienced. And these are transferable right into your life and to mine. We may not be thrown into a fire that's seven times hotter than any other fire, but in a certain way, we face the fire as well. In our own world, in our own way, in our own challenges. I want you to notice several reasons why these boys were able to do what they did. First of all, they had an absolute commitment to God. They were absolutely committed to God. Daniel 3.18 says, Let it be known to you, O king, we do not serve your gods, and we will not worship the gold image which you have set up. This wasn't something they had to think about. This wasn't something they had to go and review. Down deep in their heart was this absolute commitment to Almighty God. It was not open for discussion or dialogue. They believed in God. That was it. There were no other gods, and they were settled on that issue. The secret to success in the Christian life has always been, it is now and it always will be, absolute obedience to God and to his word. Unbending conformity to his rules. The three young men refused to dialogue with the king. They refused to get into a discussion. They did not have to think it over. This was non-negotiable on their part. Their commitment was to Almighty God. Let me ask us our question then. Are we committed to God like that? Is God a convenient part of our life? We read the polls and we watch what's happening across the nation as we hear about all the evangelicals there are and how many Christians there are. My friends, if there's so many of us, why are we doing so bad? The reason is because, as my friend Howard Hendricks says, the evangelical movement is 30 miles wide and an eighth of an inch deep. That's the problem. We don't have a commitment to God that will take us through the fire. One of these days, the probability is, in your lifetime and mine, we're going to find out how deep our commitment to God really is. We're going to find out if we have the courage of the three young Hebrew boys who did not equivocate when they were challenged, but said, we are committed absolutely to Almighty God. Are you? Are we? That ought to be our hope today, to commit ourselves in such a way to God that nothing, nothing can move us. One of the church fathers, a man by the name of Athanasius, was a champion for the doctrine of the deity of Jesus Christ, and he fought a lot of battles with a lot of religious leaders because of his convictions. On one occasion, someone came to Athanasius and said this to him, Athanasius, the emperor is against you, the bishops are against you, and the church is against you. In fact, the whole world is against you, Athanasius. And Athanasius said, then I am against the whole world. 
And out of that experience, the phrase Athanasius against the whole world was formed and it became a watchword during that period of history. Athanasius against the whole world. They had absolute commitment to God. Notice secondly, not only did they have absolute commitment to God, they had absolute confidence in God. Notice verses 16 and 17. They said, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Now these three courageous men believed in their God so much that they knew God was in control. They did not make deals with God. They knew they could trust God, but they did not know what was ahead. They realized that God's will might be different from what would be pleasant. They didn't say, we believe God because we know he's going to get us out of the fire. They said, we believe God because we know God is in charge and whatever he does is okay with us. But they didn't make their own obedience to God contingent upon that which would be pleasant. Absolute commitment to God and absolute confidence in God. Notice thirdly, these men had absolute courage for God. Verse 18, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now these guys were not saying what they said because they were ignorant or because they didn't know what was going on. They knew about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had a reputation of being one of the cruelest tyrants who ever ruled. Nebuchadnezzar would kill a person at a whim. And so when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're going to defy this king. They knew they were putting themselves in great jeopardy. They knew his reputation. Daniel, who was their leader, was out of the country. He wasn't there to give them any encouragement. They were on their own. But let me tell you something. When God is on your side, you're never on your own. (laughs) I am told that when the executioner went behind Jerome of Prague, one of the early martyrs, to set fire to the pyre where he was chained, Jerome said... Come here and kindle the fire before my eyes. For if I had dreaded such a sight, I would never have come to such a place when I had the free opportunity to escape. And the fire was kindled in front of him, and he began to sing a hymn that was soon finished by the flames which consumed him. When Martin Luther was on his way to excommunication from the church to appear before King Charles V and the Roman prelate and all the princes assembled, this is what he said. Listen to Martin Luther. My cause shall be commended to the Lord, for he lives and reigns, who preserved the three Hebrew children in the furnace of the Babylonian king. If he is unwilling to preserve me, my life is a small thing compared with Christ. Expect anything of me except flight or recantation. I will not flee, much less recant, so may the Lord Jesus strengthen me. And he went on to make one of the most important appearances ever made. Proverbs 29, 25 says it this way, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Amen. And then they had not only absolute commitment to God and confidence in God and courage for God, they had absolute consciousness of God. Notice verses 24 and 25, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and he spoke saying to his counselors, did not we cast three men? Bound into the midst of the fire, and they answered and said to the king, True, O king. Well, look, he said, I see four men walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like, and in the text it actually says in some of the texts, is like a son of the gods. And the only reason it's like that in the text is because Nebuchadnezzar wouldn't have known the son of God if he'd have seen him in person. 
What he saw was the picture of the Son of God, but he just said he looked like the Son of the gods. We know who it was. It was the Son of God himself. It was Jesus. When the king looked into the fire, he saw not just three men who had been thrown in there. He saw a fourth man, and the form of that man was like the Son of God. Do you remember what Isaiah said about experiences like this in Isaiah 43, which is one of my favorite verses? Isaiah 43, 2, he says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. It is especially when we are in the fire that Almighty God draws near to us. Isn't that true? Have you ever been in the midst of the fiery furnace and looked around and felt God's presence right next to you? When you're in the hospital and you're sick, when the doctors are giving you bad news or where something goes on in your life that you didn't anticipate, when maybe you've gone through a divorce and your family's coming unglued and you don't know why and you can't understand it, isn't it true that in the midst of that fiery experience, Almighty God just seems to show up in a way he doesn't seem to show up? Of course, he's always present with us in the same way we become sensitive to his presence when we're in the fire. Amen. In fact, I've said before, and I want to make sure I say this carefully, it's almost worth going into the fire to have God in the presence with you. Amen? Well, we've looked at the record of their deliverance and the reasons for their deliverance, but here's the most exciting part of this message from my perspective. I want you to see the result of their deliverance, what happened because of what God did. First of all, verse 22, their enemies were executed. Now, God saved them and killed their enemies all in one fell swoop. Daniel 3.22 says, Because the king's command was urgent, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I did a little homework on the kind of furnaces that these were. They were kind of like a big, round, huge furnace with a thing on top. So when you would go to the furnace, the furnace would be kindled underneath with all kinds of bellows underneath to blow the fire very hot. But when you were to put somebody in a furnace, you'd have to open the top of the furnace and throw them in. And the Bible says when those who were assigned to put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, they went to throw them in the furnace, and when they opened the lid to throw them in the furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down into the fire, and all the people who threw them in were immediately scorched and destroyed. In one fell swoop, when they were trying to kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar executed some of his best people. The soldiers who were outside the furnace were killed. The three men who were thrown into the midst of the furnace were not hurt. The enemies who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to kill them were themselves killed. Isn't it interesting when we walk through the fire and God gets involved with us, sometimes we look and the thing we are so worried about because we don't know how to deal with it, when we walk with God and we're faithful to God and we're courageous to do what God tells us to do, God settles the issues himself. He cares for the things himself. Secondly, their enemies were executed. Not only that, but their bonds were eliminated. Now, you might miss this unless you read this story carefully, but notice verse 25. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. Now, let me ask you a question, students. Were they loose when they were thrown into the fire? No, they were bound. The three men were bound when they were thrown into the fire, but when Nebuchadnezzar saw them, they were loosed. The rope which was the property of the Babylonian Empire, was the only casualty of that fire. Did you know that? The only thing that got burned in the fire was the rope that restrained the three Hebrew children. It's an interesting reminder to us that sometimes God puts us in the fire so he can purge from us the things that are holding us back and holding us down and keeping us from walking loose in the will of God. Daniel 3.25 says the form... Of the fourth was like the Son of God. Their hearts were encouraged. 
Their enemies were executed. Their bonds were eliminated. Their hearts were encouraged. What Nebuchadnezzar saw in the furnace was a Christophany. We've been learning a little about that in this series of messages. Sometimes in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ appeared before he was actually born to a virgin in Bethlehem. You say, well, how could that be? Because he was the son of God. He is the eternal son of God. He did not start to exist in Bethlehem. He has always existed. And on occasion in the Old Testament, he appeared. And I believe this is one of those appearances of Jesus Christ. It was the form of the Son of God. That's Jesus. He showed up in the fiery furnace to encourage his three courageous champions. What a reminder this is to all of us. When we're in the fire, our Lord is with us. Here these men cast out by their contemporaries, but when the contemporaries cast them out, the Lord took them in. Sometimes the very trials that we resist, the very trials that we resent, are the means God uses to make us aware of his presence in our lives. Some of you here today, you're in the hottest fire you've ever been in in your life. You're sitting here thinking, man, I can't believe pastor's speaking on this subject because I'm in the furnace right now. In the midst of the trial, God wants you to know that he is with you, that he draws near to you, In your entire life, you don't understand what is going on, but that's all right. God understands. And if you are faithful to him and if you walk with him and if you're true to him, God will draw near to you and he will help you. He will carry you through. God has just heated up your furnace a little bit hotter to get your attention so you would listen to him and make sure you didn't get off the road he wants you to walk on. Please note, God did not rescue these men from the fire. He rescued them in the fire. God hasn't promised there won't be any fires. I know some of you would like that. Some of you think, you know, I don't like being a Christian. It's too much fire. I thought fire was what happened if you weren't a Christian. No, no. Fire is what happens when you're a Christian. You're going to have fiery trials. But I want you to know, God is always with you in that. He will help you. Everybody goes through challenges. Isn't that true? The difference, the creative difference for the Christian is we don't go through alone. We go through with the presence of God. One of the great hymns of our church is How Firm a Foundation. And the second verse of that goes like this. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame will not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. God is purging us and cleaning us up and he's melting away the things from our lives that we depend on that aren't from him so that we can totally depend on God. Someone has suggested that a good outline for this story is unbending, unbowed, and unburned. (laughs) That's a great outline, isn't it? Unbending, unbowed, and unburned. (laughs) Well, their enemies were executed, their bonds were eliminated, their hearts were encouraged, and number four, their God was exalted. Notice verse 29. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap. Oh, wait a minute, Nebuchadnezzar, don't get so crazy about this, you know? Just a few minutes ago, you were saying, and who is the God who will deliver you? Well, he met that God, didn't he? And now he's only doing what he knew to do as a Babylonian king. From now on, everybody's going to do it this way or your history. But God got some credit, and God got exalted. The three men were bound when they were thrown in. But when they came out, the glory of God was unbound, And God was glorified. Nebuchadnezzar was so full of himself at the beginning of this story. And now he's made aware of the power of Almighty God. 
And finally, their influence was enlarged. Notice verse 30. (laughs) Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I mean, can you imagine the emotional charge of that particular day in the life of these three guys? They start out shackled on their way to the furnace, seven times hotter than it's ever been heated, and they end up getting a promotion in the kingdom. Now, that's a God thing. Only God can do that. God loves to do stuff like that that are so unbelievable. The thing is so unbelievable, only God can get the credit. And I don't know what their promotion was, but I often wonder what happened when Daniel got back from wherever he was. And he walked in and said, so guys, how's everything going? And they had to have said, Daniel, you are not going to believe what happened to us. And by the way, we now report directly to you. What a story. One of the greatest Greek church fathers was a man by the name of Chrysostom. He lived in AD 347 to 407. As a very young Christian, he was brought before the emperor. The emperor said to him that if he would not give up Christ, but insisted on becoming a Christian, the emperor said, Chrysostom, I will banish you from your country and from your father's land. Chrysostom said, you cannot. The whole world is my father's land. You cannot banish me. Well, the emperor then said, I will take away all your property. Chrysostom said, you cannot. My treasures are in heaven. The emperor said, I will take you to a place where there is not a friend to speak to you. Chrysostom replied, you cannot do that. I have a friend who sticks closer to me than a brother. I shall have my brother Jesus Christ forever. And the emperor finally threatened, I will take away your life. And Chrysostom replied, you cannot take away my life because my life is hid with God in Christ. And the emperor said, what in the world do you do with a man like that? (laughs) You know what? That's what the world ought to be asking about us. What do you do with a person like that? That takes the courage of a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Young people, that takes the ability to say, I don't care what my friends are saying. I don't care what they're doing. I'm a Christian. I'm going to stand up for what I believe. And let the chips fall where they will. I'm going to be God's person in the midst of this world. And I'm telling you, my friends, God is calling us back to such a conviction about our faith. We cannot go on any longer doing what we're doing. Charles Coulson in his book, The Body, said that the problem with the church in our generation today is it's become a therapeutic center. Everybody comes to church to get all of their wounds fixed and all of their problems solved. And we ought to be able to do that, but it ought not to be our focus. Men and women, we are soldiers of the cross. We're to be fighting the battle. We're to be out in the trenches living for God, winning people to Christ, being determined to take as many people to heaven with us as we can, building our churches strong so that when the fire comes, we'll be ready to stand up and be counted. Amen. Amen. These stories really do uh, light a fire in our hearts, don't they? And if we're feeling a little bit sorry for ourselves and wondering if maybe life is, is unfair to us, we know that's not true. But these situations in which we find ourselves where we're challenged, we have the opportunity to prove the faithfulness of God and the power of God, even as we read in this Old Testament story. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about courage when your future depresses you. I won't say any more about that, except we are going to talk about it tomorrow, right here on Turning Point. And it's from the Bible, so you want to be with us when we do that. 
The Jordan River Rules is the book that Rob Morgan has written and he's made available to us to make available to you. This 112-page book uh, takes you through the the Jordan River experience in the Old Testament, and you emerge with 10 God-given strategies for moving forward. In the inevitable way that Rob writes, this book is fresh, it's welcoming, the stories and illustrations uh, are vibrant, and the principles are, they're just amazing. This book has the power to change your life. And that's why I want you to have it. It's yours for the asking when you send a gift of any size to Turning Point today. Once again, the title of the book is The Jordan River Rules by Robert J. Morgan. And it's our way of saying thank you for your investment in Turning Point during the month of February. Thanks so much. The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. How are you being blessed by Turning Point? Write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Jordan River Rules. 10 God-given strategies for moving forward. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series Courage to Conquer here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. If you want to see a parent act like a child, just wait until a child achieves some success in school, at a dance or piano recital or carrying out a chore at home. There's clapping, high-fiving, and whoops of delight. Parents love to celebrate their children's successes. 
Somehow we adults forget to celebrate the same way with each other's successes. The Apostle Paul wrote that we should rejoice with those who rejoice, and, by the way, weep with those who weep. A joy shared is a joy doubled, but a grief shared is a grief cut in half. Find someone to rejoice with today. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons to rejoice on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.